The following recording may contain explicit language. I can't get more explicit than may. Let's just say it may. It's Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. One thing about our current state of whipsawed impeachment coverage and the March of House Committee investigations is that our attention becomes dominated by nothing else. Oh, I'm not advocating for a moment of zen or time to stop and smell the roses or those uplifting stories we like to call good news. No, I'm not saying that. I just like the old news of the weird. News of the things that happen where you say, what, that happened? Remember those things? Like when the sheriff arrested the mom for not putting sunblock on her kids? Let's all debate that. Or the student who pointed a chicken finger at a classmate and said bang and he was suspended. Basically opining about bureaucrats making overbroad decisions. Similar thing happened with this story I'm going to talk about. I was reading Harper's and they had this blurb about a recent event. A security guard at a high school was fired after he told a student to stop calling him the N-word. Well, that seems crazy. Let's investigate. And let's note how our understanding shifts as our investigation proceeds. It all depends on what your frame is. So I literally Googled a security guard at a high school is fired after he told a student to stop calling him the N-word. The first hit was CNN. And there we met Madison, Wisconsin, West High School security guard Marlon Anderson. Anderson says a student who was refusing to leave the school pushed the assistant principal, so he felt it was his job to help. That's when the student said this. He called me a B-I-T-S-S N-word. Okay, and that was CNN's editing. That's what you heard if you went to the site and presumably watched it on television. They edited out the entire comment. The screen actually faded to black. We didn't even see anything as he was saying that. This is a news organization that is presumably trying to orient its viewers over the issue of an employee who said a word, but they will not provide the word. They will not say the word. They will not allow the word to be said. They will not allow you to hear the words that were said to him so you understand his response. It really couldn't be worse, except it was if you went to Wisconsin local news coverage. Here now, ABC News 27 with details. Right now, outrage is growing after a Madison West High School security guard was fired for using a racial slur. What? Using a racial slur? Using? That does not seem to be the most accurate way to say that this guy said, don't call me the N-word. Go on, ABC 27. ...was fired for using a racial slur. Scores of students walked out of class to protest the firing. Okay, now I will explain what's on the screen, what's on the News 27 screen, as you just heard those words. It's a picture of Marlon Anderson talking. And the Chiron under Marlon Anderson, the man who was fired, says this, West High School security guard fired for using a racial slur. Wow. Now, finally, we get a detail that seems salient. The security guard, Marlon Anderson, tells 27 News an African-American student called him the N-word, and Anderson told him not to, but they both used the actual word. The school says it has a zero-tolerance policy on racial slurs. But when the news says he was using the N-word, that implies he was wielding the N-word, and that was not done here. In fact, when the media reports that he used the N-word, but then the media doesn't say the N-word, can't give you the actual quotes, bleeps it out. They're really agreeing with one side of the story, the side that says there is no context for this. So when they play a student protester who has this message, 
this zero tolerance um, policy is incorrect and needs to take into account context. They're siding against her. I'll now play a part of the CNN report, which I thought was pretty powerful. He says when it comes to using the word context is everything. And yet it would seem that CNN and ABC News 27 disagree. It also seems that because they have this blanket restriction, they can't accurately convey to us, the audience, what happened by using phrases like guard fired for using the N-word. They've tied themselves in an explanatory knot, and it seems to me very dependent on the fact that they had to bleep or fade out on the actual facts of what was said. Let's rejoin Marlon Anderson. Here he is describing his state of mind. My father was called a swear. My grandmother, my grandfather, and keep going on down the family line. We were all called this word, and not one of them, not one of them could say, don't call me that. I can. And I shouldn't be punished because I have the right to tell somebody not to call me this word. MMSD's Board of Education president writes in a statement that while racial slurs have no place in schools, quote, we have also heard from the community about the complexity involved and it's our duty to examine it. No, it's not a racial slur. It's a description of a racial slur. If it is the last word in the sentence, don't call me a blank. And then CNN fading out on it is telling viewers they agree there's no context for the word when obviously... If there has ever been a context in the history of its use, it's this, that you can't fire Marlon Anderson for sticking up for himself. And they didn't. He was eventually put back on the job. And like I said, I understand the sensitivities involved, but we're, I'm in the news business, am I not? And when you read stories, for instance, about Shane Gillis fired from SNL for using, quote, anti-Asian slurs, it's very broad. It is good to know What were those slurs he used? And the outlet will literally say the word, but they won't say other slurs. They've created a hierarchy of slurs. So the solution is simple. Among adults or educated children, if you're a news organization, don't be wanton, don't be gratuitous, but there is a duty to inform because a no tolerance policy necessarily rejects the notion of context and therefore is the very antithesis of what news should be. On the show today, I spiel about Hold on to your beaver pelts, Canadian elections. Woohoo! But first, Maria Konnikova, who comes in to tell us if scientific claims are bullshit, up next. Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story? Advice like youth probably just wasted on the young was known as the wear sunscreen speech. Just everything about it was a little weird and a little off. So here's the actual thing that happened. A Chicago Tribune columnist, Mary Smeech, wrote this column and advised people to wear sunscreen. Okay, it was a hypothetical graduation speech. It was attributed to Kurt Vonnegut, who did not write it as a commencement speech, 
which he did not give. And then Boz Lerman took it, set it to music, and it became known as the sunscreen song or everybody's free to wear sunscreen. So maybe you remember that song. But here, now, in 2018, 2019, we realize, or perhaps we realize, the greatest inaccuracy of all. Maybe it's the case that you shouldn't wear sunscreen. Not only did Kurt Vonnegut die, probably from not wearing sunscreen, but maybe you shouldn't wear sunscreen at all. How do we know if this is true? There's only one way to tell. We play the game we call, Is That Bullshit? where scientific claims are tested. And Maria Konnikova, the author of the forthcoming The Biggest Bluff, is here to play our game. Hello, Maria. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? You remind, I'm good. You reminded me of the song beforehand, yeah. and it was kind of in the back of my mind. And then I remembered there was an Outside Magazine uh, podcast episode where they played that song and introduced the fact that Outside Magazine did this piece, and it was perhaps, they say, the most successful piece in the history of Outside Magazine, where they question, maybe we shouldn't be wearing sunscreen at all. So what's the downside to wearing sunscreen? Okay, so let's start with what the Outside Magazine mm-hmm. piece summarizes, and then we'll go a little bit okay, beyond that. sure. Um, you set the agenda, Maria. I'm all here right. for the ride. All right, so I think the most, the overarching point is that vitamin D is really good. Yes. Vitamin D is developed naturally by the body when we're exposed to the sun, and sunscreen blocks that. Mm -hmm. This is a very long piece, but that's kind of the overall point. So we do know that vitamin D has been linked to all sorts of good things for many, many years. So we know that it's good for how you feel, it's good for your bone health, it's good for obesity or the lack thereof <laughs> and lack, of <laughs> lack thereof brain function uh-huh. it's good for sleep yeah. and it's lack so the deficiency of vitamin D um, has been linked to higher incidence of different types of cancer depression obesity mm-hmm. diabetes the um, lack of the lack of obesity yes I mean, the yes, lack yes. of the lack of obesity exactly impeded brain function so all sorts of bad things. We've known this for a long time. So back in 1919, that was the first time that it became clear that being in the sun could actually be good. So this was the first clinical study, and it was about rickets. And then in 1924, that Mm -hmm. was the first time that it was linked to vitamin D, except they didn't know what vitamin D was yet. So they didn't call it vitamin D. They just saw that UV rays activated something that seemed to help. And 1931 is when they realized it was vitamin D. And then in the 60s, it was found that exposure to the sun was also associated with lower mortality from a bunch of different cancers. And then there's this guy, Richard Weller. Um, I learned about his work from the Outside Magazine piece, and he's uh, linked sunlight exposure to yet another substance, nitrous oxide, which lowers blood pressure. So he actually is the was the inspiration for this piece, and he wasn't even looking at vitamin D. Instead, he was looking at nitrous oxide. Mm-hmm. And that comes from this huge study that was done by Pell Lindquist in Sweden of Swedish sunbathers, almost 30,000 <laughs> of them. And There's really that, you know, tight period between, say, July 22nd and August 3rd. So, so, so that, was my, that was my main problem <laughs> yeah. with, with that. I mean, yes. I have been to a beach in Malmo and it is cold. <laughs> so, yes. So, yes, that was actually that was one of my main issues with this. But it was done over 20 years in Sweden. And it found that Swedish women who sunbathed more had fewer blood clots lower incidence of diabetes, and they also had more melanoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that, that also yeah. happened. Yeah. But 
what the study authors said was that people who were not in the sun at all, the sun avoiders, were two times more likely to die. So Sweden only, women only, Swedish sun, which we'll, we're going to talk about. No, the we're going to the low winter sun. We're, yeah, we're going to talk about that because that's actually that's really relevant. And yes, higher melanoma, but all these other things good, and they don't die as often. All right. So so that's kind of a, a mix of outside plus a little history okay. of why, you know, sun is good. A little and, outside, a little history, a little history of being outside. Exactly. Okay, so exactly. we've established the sun is good. Yes. But it turns out, you mentioned the melanoma, the sun can also be bad. Yes. So um, a few things about the sun mm-hmm. we know are not great. So melanoma is not a great thing. Melanoma is skin cancer. It's the deadliest form of skin cancer. So what people would say who say you should be in the sun is that, yeah, but there aren't that many people who die of melanoma. A lot more people die of heart attacks, for instance. Uh-huh. Um, so we've got some... Or st- pastiness. Yes. So <laughs> we've got some statistics. So skin cancer kills only three per every 100,000 wow. people. And the melanoma rates are 26 out of 100,000 people um, who are white five out of 100,000 Hispanic and one out of 100,000 African-American because the darker your skin, the less of likelihood you have of developing melanoma. Yes. However, you also have a much higher likelihood of dying because it's not caught as quickly and it's caught in yeah, the stages where it's actually much, de- much deadlier. The other though statistic, which I was by mistake about to cite, is that the melanoma rates have actually been increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we look at 1935 in the U.S., um, it was one per 100,000 people. Um, and then it, by 2012, it was 23 per 100,000. Hmm. Um, so that's actually a pretty pretty large increase. Yes. Our absolute numbers are still low, mm-hmm. but the increase yeah. is... Is a, is a big one. Yeah. From and, 1 to 23. Right. And weirdly, the increase also coincides with the use of sunscreen and sunblock. Yes. Right. So just so, as we begin defending ourselves, deaths go So up. Yeah. So a few different things have happened, right? We do have increased use of sunscreen. Sunscreen has changed a lot. So we can't compare the sunscreen that was being used back in 1935 to the sunscreen that's being used today. Mm-hmm. We can't even compare it to the 80s. And the sun, though, has also changed. Right, so we had the ozone layer hole. Um, Sun probably hasn't changed, but the UV, uh, yeah, Earth's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Earth's the, absorption, our, our of, absorption, our defenses are, are yes, down. And our yes. defenses are lower. Yes. So when people say, "Oh, the sun today isn't the sun of your grandparents," that's actually, it's not actually true. But the UV absorption, yes. is different. So all of, all of these different things: yes. vitamin D good, lack of vitamin D bad. Mm-hmm. We can get vitamin D most directly from the sun. Mm -hmm. We can also get it from other sources. Milk. Yes, but that's a supplement, and we know that supplements don't work that well. Damn it. But oily fish, Mm. salmon, herring, Mm. mackerel, Mm. mushrooms, especially mushrooms that have seen the sun. Yeah. Cod liver oil. I didn't know about mushrooms. That's interesting. And mackerel. So you're really pushing us towards a blubber. 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 Wow. Yes, that's how they get it. Or get some sun. Yeah. And... (laughs) (laughs) sun sunblock or just eating a lot of blubber so but we're not we're not actually so we're not completely done there's one more very interesting piece of information that i found yes which is that rates of melanoma are actually decreasing in one part of the population which is younger children in locations with strong sun protection programs like australia so 
there's been and there's been additional evidence that your chance of melanoma might be most linked to ch- uh, to sun exposure in childhood. Okay. To b- bad burns when you're a little kid. And so it's really, really hard to just make a blanket judgment. Like yes. sun good, sun bad, sun exposure good, sun exposure bad. Or even bad. blankets good, blankets bad. Yes, exactly. You can't Hats make good. the blanket blanket judgment. Absolutely. Right. Hats, protective clothing, all this stuff. What my takeaway is, well, oh, well, we can't do the takeaway before we talk about sunscreen. Yes, right? we have so to talk about is, sunscreen right, itself, is sunscreen, so. is sunscreen good for you? I mean, is sunscreen okay? Right. Now, the one thing um, that we should state, or I, and that I think the Outside Magazine article states, is that what Sunblock purports to do with its numbering system, which may be a little off, it actually does do, right? It does block the UV yes. rays. And the yeah. UVB. Yeah, yeah UVA, yeah. UVB. Okay. All UV rays. Yes. So that is true. And that is as true. we've just demonstrated, there's a good side and a bad side to that. Yes. And we've come to believe that the good outweighs the bad insofar as we've even made that calculation. Right. But we, right. Right. But so what's the downside potential mm-hmm. of sunscreen? So the old sunscreens, a lot of them like zinc oxide, et cetera, they just stay on the skin. But some of the newer ingredients, they're not so new anymore, but that were newer, like oxybenzone, it ends up that they actually get absorbed into the skin mm-hmm. and they can function potentially as hormone disruptors. Um, and the bottom line is that we actually have no idea how much of what is absorbed because there hasn't been that much safety testing done on sunscreen. Which is crazy, right? Yeah, which is crazy. It's A, slather it In on the our US. children and B, not tested. Exactly. In Europe, it's actually tested much more. Mm-hmm. Um, so European sunscreen is actually is in some ways safer. Really? Um, yeah, well, this is one of the few times when I would say actually Europe does a better job regulating things. Um, so what I take away from all of this is that we do want vitamin D. The extreme, though, that the Outside Magazine is promoting, which is just don't wear sunscreen, yeah. is also not good because we see from places like Australia um, that it's actually probably pretty good to protect especially children Their melanoma from the rates sun. went down, right. Exactly. Um, so, so that, I think, is not the way to go either. And what a lot of places are concluding, including Australia, is that you want a little bit of sun exposure, but... Some parts of your body, for instance, like your face, you should basically always put sunscreen on because it ends up there have been some studies that have looked at how much of your body needs to be exposed to start generating vitamin D and less than 50 percent. Huh. So so it's not like you need to lay out in the sun and get completely slathered in sun. If you just don't put it on your arms. Yeah. That's actually totally fine. Interesting. So what about like applying it in stripes or you go front one day, back the other? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Go zebra. But (laughs) but it really depends. So the other element to this is how long you're exposed to the sun. Yeah. And what time of year Um, it depends on the time of day. So before 9 a.m. and after 3 p.m., it's actually much better in terms of sun damage. So that that's kind of a good guideline for when you can go out without without sunscreen. And as long as you're not burning and as long as you're staying out for moderate amounts of time, I think it's actually, it's good. Yeah. So tanning can be good. And we actually have data that show that outdoor workers have lower rates of melanoma than indoor workers because they're more kind of, it's a more nuanced, steady exposure and less burns because they know how to moderate it as opposed to someone who's indoors all the mm-hmm. time and then goes and lays out in the sun and burns. So as long as you're smart about it and you calibrate that, 
then I think it's really it's a very smart way to get vitamin D. Yeah. And I think it's something that we do need to do. But I would just caution against either extreme. Yes. I realize that that's not, you know, a woo, wear sunscreen or oh my God, don't wear sunscreen. But I don't think we can go into I can we don't have enough data to go into too far into either direction. Well, I do question the fact that this all came out in Outside Magazine. If this was all done in Inside Magazine, or as I call it, PC Gamer, you would think that they'd have less at stake. Yes. I might I might take them more seriously. Yes. So the most recent study I found yes. that did a big analysis in 2019 from <clears throat> Australia. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is Aussie, their Aussie, con- Aussie. Yes. Oi, oi, oi. This is their conclusion. Gaps in knowledge make it difficult to derive evidence-based sun protection advice that balances the risk and benefits of sun exposure. Mm. Okay. Sunscreen does more harm than good. Is that bullshit? So sunscreen causes more harm than good if 100% of the time it, you're slathered in it yeah. when you're outside. Okay. So, Which is what a lot of people do. However, see... It's very, this is a hard one to answer because of the fact that I think we should wear sunscreen on a lot of our bodies and some parts of our bodies all the time. Yeah. And then parts of them for part of the time expose without sunscreen. Yeah. So how do we, how do we answer that? Some body parts are sometimes parts. Yes. Some are always parts. Yes. And some are uh, never parts. Yeah. I don't think anything's a never part. Our guest, Maria Konnikova. Maria is the author of the forthcoming The Biggest Bluff. When will that be out, Maria? 2020. I will let you know as soon as we have an exact date. Please let me know. Maria Konnikova, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mike. And now the spiel. Oh, Canada. With glowing hearts, they saw the rise, but then the slight dip, of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He's still the Prime Minister. His liberal party is still in charge, but the conservative rivals did gain seats. Not enough seats to matter, but because it is a parliamentary system, the liberals hold on to power. They just don't have an outright majority. You know what that's called? That's called a win. But to hear the conservative PM candidate, Andrew Scheer, tell it, no, they won. They really won. I mean, the liberals lost more seats than the conservatives won. So they won. Of course, if you go by what they actually keep score on, which is who gets to control parliament. Yeah, they lost, but nah, never mind that. So in his speech last night, this Andrew Scheer fellow attempted to advocate for this view. And I was just saying, excuse my Quebecois, but do you believe Le Coui on this guy? Listen to this. But tonight, conservatives have put Justin Trudeau on notice. And Mr. Trudeau, when your government falls, conservatives will be ready and we will win. We, of course, couldn't win here and now in this actual election that just happened a couple of hours ago, but we will be here to take advantage when the other side loses. So I guess they're less a predator and more a vulture insofar as they will start eating the flesh of their defeated. This is how it starts. This is how it starts. This is the first step. And now we are heading back to Ottawa with a much bigger team, with more support from coast to coast, and with an endorsement from the Canadian people that we are the government in waiting. Well, the government right now is led by Justin Trudeau, who spoke 
at the same time as Scheer was giving his speech, this was very disturbing to the CBC presenters who couldn't believe the breach in etiquette. Oh, Canada. Trudeau said this. From coast to coast to coast, tonight, Canadians rejected division and negativity. Rejected division? Have you seen the electoral map? The winning party won 33% of the vote. The second place party in seats, which was the conservatives, they actually won 34.4% of the total vote. And the three other parties split the remaining third of the vote. This is a rejection of a rejection of division. I was also fascinated by Trudeau's from coast to coast to coast brag. Yeah, you heard that right. And Shear also just said, if you noticed, just from coast to coast. And Canadian journalist and former GIST producer Chris Berube who I got in touch with and talked Canadian politics with. We'll play more of that tomorrow. He says, well, maybe one reason why Scheer didn't mention coast to coast to coast is the conservatives didn't win on all the coasts. In fact, the map is really interesting. Have you looked at the Canada, like the map that they have on the CBC website where you can see the colors for uh, where each party won? You see, like, it it kind of looks like the U.S. map a little bit. Like, it is, you know, all of Quebec is this light blue and then all the cities are red, and then just like this huge swath of Western Canada is just all blue. It's just all conservative. So it's the most divisive, like kind of rural urban election I think they've ever had in Canada. Okay, and let that be a tease. I will talk more to Chris tomorrow, Canadian politics. And we'll focus at that time on what parts of Justin Trudeauism the country is down on and which parts they're down with. Because, and this is what I wanted to say here, because I have noticed that the coverage of the Canadian election that we got in the United States was mostly, in Chris's words, Justin Trudeau, not as woke as you thought he was. But there is a lot more going on. Climate change really is a big issue in Canada. And the rise of the parties who are to the left of the Liberal Party can also tell us something about the state of socialism in the United States. You know, I find that the way that even good media like NPR and the New York Times covers other countries' politics is pretty superficial. I'm not asking for the ins and outs of maritime policy. But have you noticed that the vast majority of elections are said to feature someone called either the French Trump, that would be Le Pen, or the Brazilian Trump, Bolsonaro, or the Austrian Trump, which would be Kurz? These comparisons are, quite frankly, stupid. And they make us news consumers a little stupid. And this is a pet theory of mine. Canadian news consumers, I think, are made smarter for a bunch of reasons, like CBC funding and better public education, but they're less ignorant because of the very fact that they are so cognizant of U.S. politics. And what this does is it inserts, without even them asking for it, it inserts the concept of comparative politics. They're not so just up in their politics to think this is the only way it's done. We're not very good at the comparative in the United States. We're big. We don't think we have to. We never think to think of others other than ourselves. And as a result, our civic knowledge is terrible. They recently did a poll. Annenberg does this all the time about civic knowledge. The question was, can you correctly identify all three branches of government? I have to tell you the correct response, you know, judicial, executive, legislative, the correct response was at an all-time high. Unfortunately, that all-time high was 39%. By not knowing how other countries do what they do, we in America fall into a trap. The obvious one is American exceptionalism. Nobody does it better, all that. But the other one, more common among people 
that I live around is to bemoan the sorry state of American political affairs as horrible and unique in the industrialized Western world. I mean, how often have you heard the complaint, the U.S. system is so screwed up, the party with the most votes doesn't even get to lead? Well, the same thing just happened in Canada. It happens in other systems all the time. Or big issues of income inequality. That's not a uniquely American phenomenon. Or the corrupting influence of money in politics. Susceptibility to media manipulation. That's common. That's probably more pernicious in a lot of other industrialized nations. We'll talk more about Canada tomorrow, the whys and the what nexts, but I wanted to take a moment to dwell on the missed opportunity to have this illustrative lesson to the North and being so glib or so uninterested in this potential rich source of knowledge says some bad things about us. I'm not doing this. I'm not advocating for knowing about Canadian politics because I'm a Canadian political nerd. I am doing it because I am a voracious enthusiast of all manner of information that sheds light on the democratic experiment everywhere. And by everywhere, I mean from sea to shining sea, to that other sea, to the third sea over there. What's that more of a bay? Fine, I got it. You get the point. And that's it for today's show. Daniel Schrader produces The Gist. He's one loony short of a toonie. Christina DeJosa also produces The Gist. She thought maybe Tom Whiskey was vulnerable in Moose Jaw. He was not. The Gist. I had Glenn Motts to win big in Medicine Hat. And guess what? The Motts magic didn't let me down. Take that, Harris Kirschenbaum. Medicine Hat remains out of reach. Oomperu depperu duperu. And thanks for listening. <laughs>